You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. It's good to be with you today. Thanks for being here with us. We're continuing in our series today on uh, Ephesians, a series on identity, which if you've been here, if you uh, have been uh, following along with us, you understand that this is what Uh, the book of Ephesians really is for us. It's an opportunity for Paul to help Christians understand what our identity is, who are we in Jesus, and and then how do we live that identity out. I know this has been a a series that I've enjoyed, I've gotten a lot out of. I know that that's been true of many of you as well. Many of you have told me that. I also know that uh, early in the series, Pastor Chip invited us to to be reading these passages in our own Bibles at home throughout the week to be kind of following along in the book of Ephesians. And many of you have shared with me that you're doing that and how uh, rich that has been for you. Uh, If if you are one who maybe, uh, you know, we're, we're most of the way through February and some of our um, New Year's resolutions might be a little neglected. And if that's you, you know, if you, if you started with just the best of intentions and dove right in, but maybe you've fallen off a little bit, I just wanna encourage you to get your Bible back out, pick it back up. The, the best way to familiarize ourselves with God's voice and with his leading is to immerse ourselves in the scripture. So as a reminder of where we've been, the the first three chapters of Ephesians really lay out our identity in Jesus. And then these last three chapters, chapters four, five, and six, let us know uh, how we live that identity out in the world around us. So at the beginning of chapter four that Pastor Chip uh, spoke from last week, Paul begs his readers to lead what he calls a life worthy of the calling they have received. This is really the the invitation. This is the challenge of the book of Ephesians. Paul is saying, because of who you are in Christ, this is how you should live. And so uh, we're gonna continue through the final verses of chapter four today. And if I were to give you a a theme or a thesis for this passage, it would be something like this. The, The verses we're gonna read today teach us to move from who we once were to who we are or who we are becoming in Jesus. You know, I'm an old school Nazarene guy and apparently the emphasis is on the old. Um, I had a meeting this week where I saw a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a couple years and she gave me a big hug and then she kind of held my shoulders and backed up and looked at me and said, oh, you've gotten gray like me. She's 83. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a humbling moment. And uh, I've had a couple other friends who have reminded me in the last week uh, that I'm not, uh, I won't mention any other names, but that I'm not quite as young as maybe I'd like to think. So, anyway, I'm an old school Nazarene guy. And what I mean by that is I've been around our denomination for a long time. It's, uh, it's a part of my heritage. I love, I love our denomination. Some of you might not know that that is 
this church's denomination. We're a part of this big church called the Church of the Nazarene, and we have core values in the Church of the Nazarene. One of those core values is that we are a holiness people. And the message that I'm gonna preach today is a holiness message. I actually think we preach a lot of holiness messages around here. We might not use some of the old school terminology uh, that you might be familiar with, those of you that have been around the church a long time, but, but the last part of Ephesians chapter four is a great holiness passage. It paints a picture of what it means to be holy and how we can live that out. So let's look together, beginning in verse 17 of Ephesians 4. Paul writes, now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord, you must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They've lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ Paul says. Now, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on context this morning. We've, uh, we've been talking about Ephesians for many weeks. I want to make just a couple of quick notes. Just a reminder that the book of Ephesians is actually a letter that we have access to, a letter that Paul has written to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus, as we talked early in the series, was a worldly place. And so the Gentiles that Paul mentions in this passage, they were worldly pagans. They were people who were not uh, close to God. And the church in Ephesus is a church that is made up of people who have been part of that, that surrounding culture, but who have, who have met and have been transformed by Jesus. Now, I want to make sure we just understand how close to home this is for us today. I think it's fair to say that as the church, we are people who are surrounded by a godless, pagan culture, but we have met and we have been transformed by Jesus. Amen? And, and I don't say this to lift us up in some way, to put us on a pedestal, but, but really for two reminders. One, because we have been transformed by Jesus, passages like this matter to us. They apply to our lives. And two, there is hope for a broken world. And that hope is Jesus. And so Paul says to the Ephesian church here, he says, as people who have been transformed by Jesus, you cannot live the way you used to live. He says the pagans are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. And what is hardness of heart? Well, Paul goes on to say that they have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to these evil things. I want us to, to live here with this thought about hardness of heart for a moment. It's an important part of the passage, especially in light of something that we'll see later on. What, what Paul tells us in this passage is, is that hardness of heart leads to a loss of sensitivity. Hardness of heart leads to a loss of sensitivity. And where does hardness of heart come from? Well, I, I think that one of the important things to know about hard-heartedness is that it doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. You don't just wake up and have a hard heart. 
I believe that hardness of heart comes when, when we persist in sin, when we tolerate sin in our lives, when we engage in a repetitive pattern of sin over a period of time, that is when our hearts are in danger of becoming hard. And Paul says that hardened hearts alienate us from the life of God. And so if our hearts are growing hard, we are becoming less sensitive to the leading of God's spirit. We are moving farther away from our relationship with God, becoming alienated from him. It's a sobering reality, but I think that it's good for us to hear today that if we are living in a pattern of persistent sin, if we are allowing sin to go on unchecked in our lives, I'm afraid we are in danger of our hearts becoming hard of becoming insensitive to God's leading. And so in verse 20, Paul says, that is not the way you learned Christ. And then he reminds them how they did learn about Jesus, how they were taught to live, beginning in verse 22. Let's look at it together. He says, you you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Our old selves, Paul says, are corrupted and deluded by lusts. But as our minds are renewed, God's spirit enables us, empowers us to clothe ourselves with the new self, to put on the new self, which is created according to God's image, his likeness. The way that Paul has, has worded this passage, I, I believe tells us that we have a part to play in, uh, in this dynamic. When Paul says, clothe yourselves with the new self, I think he is saying this will take work. This will require the application of your will. You will need to wake up each day and decide which outfit to put on, which self to put on. And I think we all recognize that it's actually more than just a daily decision. It's a moment by moment decision. In each opportunity, you have a choice Which self will you wear? The old self, corrupt and deluded, or the new self, empowered by God's spirit? What Paul says in Ephesians 4 is, as followers of Jesus, you cannot continue to put on the old self. Lusts are delusions. Do you recognize that? We, we associate the word lust with sexual immorality, and, and rightly so, but it is more than that. Lusts are, are intense appetites. They are cravings. They are temptations, and they make us delusional. They deceive us. Our lusts try to convince us of something that is just not true. We've all been in that moment where we, where we face a, a time of temptation 
And in that moment, if you are a new creation in Christ, when the temptation comes along, the new self says, it's not a good idea. But the old self is whispering lies. The old self is, is deluding us. It's working to tell us, it's, this one time is no big deal. It's not, it's not gonna hurt anybody just this once. This is what the old self is telling us. Our lusts deceive us. It is a delusion. This is why God's word says that we have to die to our old selves. Did you know that the reason we baptize people the way we do is because when we are immersed under the water of baptism, it is symbolic of our death to our old selves, the, the death of our old self when we're under that water. And then when we come up out of the water, the new self has been born. That is symbolic of what Jesus has done in our lives. The ritual of baptism is the symbol of dying to our old selves and being made new in Christ. You know, it seems to me that we often view baptism as the end of something, almost like a, um, and, and don't get me wrong, it's something to celebrate greatly, but we almost see it as like uh, the, the stamp of an achievement of some kind. I wonder if instead our goal shouldn't be to to live our lives in such a way that we are what our baptism says we are, that we are made new in Jesus. It's a matter of dominion, of kingdom, of lordship. Our old selves, Paul says, were ruled by our lusts, our hardness of heart, the futility of our minds, our alienation from God, ruled by darkness. Our new selves fall under the dominion of Jesus. We live for a new kingdom. Jesus is Lord. So on to the second part of this passage where Paul really just gives us some practical steps, kind of lays out some advice about how we can put on the new self. The first half of this passage says, this is who you are now, a new creation who wears the new self. And the second part, the part we're gonna look at now says, this is what it means. This is how you put on the new self. So let's look together at verses 25 through 32. So then Paul says, putting away falsehood, let, us, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors for we are members of one another. We belong to one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Put away the old self and be kind to one another, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. I love these eight little verses. I love how clearly they illustrate what the new self, the new creation in Christ should look like. There's a pattern in these verses that I want to point out. For, for everything Paul tells us to, to give up, to leave behind, he also tells us how we can replace it. So look at the, look at the list with me. Lies should be replaced by truth. Uncontrolled anger should be replaced by timely reconciliation. Stealing should be replaced by sharing. Evil talk should be replaced by gracious words. Bitterness and animosity should be replaced by kindness and forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that list, I don't see incremental changes. I see great big changes, major changes, categorically different items that are listed in each of those things. They, they are, are major shifts that take place in our lives. I want you to look at verse 28 with me again. It just paints the picture so well. Paul says, thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. So the thief, the thief who puts on the new self doesn't just stop stealing. Now what Paul says is the thief should stop stealing, should get a job, and should give what they earn to the needy people around them. Do you see what a major change that is from a person who was a thief? That is not a better person. That's a new person. That's a new creation. And the same is true of the other categories. Folks, when Jesus gets a hold of a liar, they tell the truth. When Jesus gets a hold of an angry person, they have peace in their relationships. When Jesus gets a hold of us, evil talkers become gracious. Bitter people are kind and forgiving. This is what Jesus does. He doesn't improve us a little bit. He makes us a new creation. Throughout all of this passage, Paul does a beautiful job contrasting the old self with the new self, contrasting how things used to be with how things ought to be now. I think the greatest contrast, the place that Paul paints the starkest picture of the difference between the old and the new self, it, it sort of acts as bookends to this passage of scripture. So at the beginning, you'll remember, Paul warns his readers against hard heartedness. And as he closes the passage, he uses one word in particular in verse 32 that I think should capture us and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you see it? Do you see the contrast from the old to the new? Look at these two words, uh, these two verses kind of juxtaposed with each other. Verse 18, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. And verse 32, 
Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Paul tells us that this is, this is one of those major shifts, one of those major changes that takes place in our lives when we die to the old self and put on the new self. We become tenderhearted. And so I told you as I got started this morning that this was gonna be a holiness message the process of becoming holy. And it is a process. That process is marked by many different experiences, many, uh, many changes, many transformations in our lives. But I love this one. As the Spirit shapes us into the image of Jesus, he is making our hearts more and more tender, Growth in holiness is the shift from hard-heartedness to tender-heartedness. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we're grateful today for the truth of your word. We are grateful today for the presence of your spirit in this place, a presence we have sensed so clearly. Lord, I pray that each one of us today, uh, beginning with me, would have the courage to allow your word to change us, to transform us. God, I pray that you would help me in the moments of temptation that come to put off the old self and to be the new creation that you have made me. I pray that for each one of us today shape us and mold us more into your image, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Have you heard this, uh, this phrase that sometimes people say, I've, got a, I've just got a soft spot in my heart for that person. I've got, a soft, I've got a soft spot in my heart for whatever. As we, as we go today, I wanna, I wanna challenge you I wonder if each one of us might have a hard spot in our hearts in some way. I think it's probably true of every one of us that in some way there's a hard place in our hearts that the spirit would love to work on. The spirit would love to make tender. And so my prayer for our church, for our community as we go this week is that we may surrender to the work the spirit wants to do in making our hearts tender and in this way, becoming more like Jesus. And remember, as you go this week, put on your new self. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.